We're still in the second chapter. Again, no, I'm going to go down to the 14th verse as we begin today, but I'm going to refer to some other verses around it. Remember, we're looking at regaining our purpose. You know, many of us have lost our purpose during this pandemic and everything else. We want to regain that purpose. And today I want to look at a light in the darkness. The light that we have in the darkness does an awful lot to help us regain our purpose. All right. As uh, uh, The theme for the series, again, is Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord. They're plans for good, not for a disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, how many of you have ever had cataracts? Oh, man, you can tell we're an over, older congregation, can't you? Uh, cataracts are actually a clouding of our lens, uh, our natural lens of our eyes. And with it being cloudy, we have a foggy look and, and we can't see things quite like they are. And we get used to it until you go under the knife. And when they remove the cataract and put a new lens on there, for most people... They're able to see clear again. The lights don't seem to bother them. Uh, they can finally see colors and faces as they once did years ago. And there's a whole new vision out there. Well, with, with us, when we accept Jesus Christ and the light comes into our life, it's like cataract surgery. For the first time in our life, we can really see things as they are. And people around us, if we shine as lights for him, then people can also see a clearer picture of what life's all about and see a need for Jesus in their life. Now, the key thought today in this passage is the verse 15 where it says, Ye shine as lights of in the world. I hope this is another step in regaining our purpose, that we understand how we are to shine as lights in this world. Now let's again pray and begin reading a couple of introductory verses, with beginning back in verse 12, okay? Lord, open our eyes to see, our eyes to, our, our, our ears to hear, and most of all, God, open our heart today to receive your word. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Verse 12 and 13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which works in you to will and to do his good pleasure. The instruction Paul's giving to these young Christians at Philippi is to work out your salvation. Now, nowhere in there, in any good translation of the Bible, will you find the term work for your salvation. We don't work for our salvation. Christ did that for us. But once we accept Christ by faith in our salvation, then we begin to work out our salvation. In other words, we begin to live out our salvation. We are urged not only to profess Christ, but also to possess him and to show others to be sure and to shine as lights into the world. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we Baptists seem to absolutely love, that it's not, and it's by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast, but it's a gift of God. We like that. But very seldom do we go on to verse number 10, where verse number 10 says, But ye 
are his workmanship created into good work. He's saying there, you got to work after you're not working to be saved, but you work because you are saved. I mean, we, we a lot of times as Christians, we like to tell everybody around us how to live. You ever noticed that? You're not doing it right. Let me tell you how to do it right. And a lot of times while we're telling people how to live, we don't even know how to live right ourselves, do we? That's the reason out of Matthew 7, the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, out of the New Living Translation, how can you think of saying to your friends, let me help you get rid of that speck out of your eye when you can't get past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you'll see enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Wow, that's some serious talk right there from Jesus, isn't it? That's part of the fact he's talking about, you know, you've got to clear your life up before you could ever instruct anybody else about clearing their life up. And I think that's the reason that he's saying here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With fear means with reverence. You know, I never wanted to disappoint my dad. Not because he's going to beat the tar out of me, which sometimes he might do that. But I feared him out of reverence because of the man and the person he was as my father. The same way of working out our salvation or living out our salvation for God. We work out of reverence, out of fear because of reverence for God, who He is in our life. He's somebody special. He is our Heavenly Father. Not only that, He says to work Him out with, with trembling, being sensitive. You see, part of the reason we don't want to do some things that might be out of kilter and that might be wrong is because we might hurt someone else. Well, the same thing about Jesus. Will you realize it or not, your sins hurt Jesus because he died for your sin. He gave you a way out. He gave you a way to escape your sin. So when you fall back in sin, when you fall back into your old way of life, you're actually hurting him. So don't be irreverent toward God by disobeying Him. And don't lack your sensitivity for God by not obeying Him because we hurt Him and His call. Now, you think about this. Some people say, well, I, I can't really live like so-and-so lives as a Christian. I, I just can't do it. It, it. Things in life get in my way. Uh, I have to face an awful lot. Can I tell you something? Life stinks. You know, how many of you remember Lindberger cheese? Oh, it was the stinkingest cheese you ever saw in your life, man. And, and what happened years ago, people didn't go to a doctor. The doctor came to them. And there was a gentleman who had, uh, was not, had not regained consciousness. And the doctor couldn't figure out quite what was wrong, so he urged the family to spread Lindberger cheese under his nose across his upper lip. Well, sure enough, after a while, he came to. And his first words was, this bed stinks. <laughs> and he got out of bed and he said, this room stinks. 
and he walked outside and he said, the whole world stinks. Can I tell you, the world does stink because we live in a fallen world where there's a lot of sin and a lot of problems out there and we are out there and sometimes we're persecuted because of our faith. But it's God. Remember that. It's God that works in you. You're not doing it on your own. God's enabling you to accomplish the task. Why? Twofold. He said, first of all, it's to will and then to do his good pleasure. We are here to accomplish the will of God as Christians, and we're here to do the good pleasure of God. That's two good reasons to allow God to help you regain your purpose that you might shine as a light unto the world. Now, into the sermon. Paul's going to give two commands in these next few verses. He's going to give negative and he's going to give positive. In other words, Paul's going to tell you what not to do and then Paul's going to tell us what to do. Let's read that scripture. Do all things without murmuring and disputings that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life that I might rejoice in the day of Christ, that I've not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We begin in verse 14 with the negatives. This gets a little rough going, but listen to what he's saying, okay? Remember, he's telling us to do all things working out our salvation. Now he's going to tell us what don't you do, okay? First of all, whatever you do, do it without murmurings. Now murmurings is a verbal expression of dissatisfaction. Uh, you know, those of you that work the food bank down at Gallup, you understand that for the first time in all the years we've been working down there, in December, they had no meat to put in the boxes. And people lined up as usual to get their food boxes. And 40 some odd people called back to complain and even cuss them out because they didn't have any meat in the boxes. They were murmuring about what they did not get. They were not satisfied with the blessing that was bestowed upon them. Same way with us Christians. Many times we don't act very happy and very pleased at the blessings that God had just heaped down upon us. I mean, some of the worst complaints I've ever seen is where people's not satisfied with the ministry that goes on with church. They don't pray about it. They don't get involved in it. They just complain. They just murmur. I call them joy suckers. It's kind of like you come in church, man, you're pumped up, you're ready to worship God, and somebody says, I need to talk to you, preacher. Wham, joy suckers. They're sucking the joy right out of you. That, that's what murmuring people do. And usually the issue is very, very minor. Now, I want to take a little rabbit trail here, okay? I want to talk to you about the small church syndrome. I come up with that on my own. Wasn't that good? The small church syndrome. That's where people come to me and say, I'm going to find another church because Portland Church doesn't have anything to offer my kids. I'm going to find another church 
because Portland Church is not giving me anything for my family. I'm going to find another church. I'm just not being fed spiritually at this church. Can I tell you something? If you want something to go on for your kids, have you ever thought about being involved? If you want something to go on for your family, have you ever thought about being involved? If you want to be spiritually fed, have you ever thought about eating from the Lord's table? There's a lot to be said about that. Um, you know, I, I'm telling you, you might say, well, I don't know what to do. I'm just not trained. Can I tell you a help that you have, okay? On this stage this morning was Brother Roy, our youth pastor. He has a, he has a, a degree from Union University. He has a certificate from Christian Training Institute. He'd been involved in ministry 10 to 12 years. Also on this stage was Brother Rich. He's, been, he's had a seminary degree. He's got a doctorate in theology. He has been involved in ministry for right at uh, 30, some, 30 years. He's been a, pa a, a partner in my ministry for almost 12, 13 years. Uh, I'm up here. I've got the master's degree also in ministry. But beyond all the education, there is experience. They have been involved. Like I said, 12 years, 30 years, 35 years. Donna's been involved. Ever since the age of about 22 years old, Donna and I have been involved in some way in ministry leadership. There's a lot of experience up there. If you don't know how to do it, shouldn't you ask for advice and training on how to do it? I mean, even the Bible tells us if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it, uh, you know, to them. I mean, it's available to you. I'm not gloating. I just want to go back a minute, okay, to a smoother time in my life. White House General Baptist Church had six ministers I was working with. I had five deacons I was working with. I had nine trustees I was working with. I had dozens of teachers and instructors who was involved in Sunday school, Awana training, and small group at people's houses. And during all of that, there's one thing that made it a little bit of a blessing on me. I didn't have to do it all. I had training meetings. The preachers went out and had training meetings. We had four, five, six training meetings a month where we were enabling people to do ministry. That's what needs to occur at Portland Church. We all are the ministers of God according to Scripture. Not just the preacher, not just the pastor, but everyone is a minister to God. When somebody walks in that door back here and says, I want to talk to the minister, you'll be able to just point out and say, well, choose one of them. We all are ministers of the gospel, and we need to be sincere about what we're doing. So we do what we do or should do negatively without murmuring. Next, he says, without disputing. Now, disputing means arguments. More than just voicing satisfaction, this goes far deeper. It, have you ever seen some people who you, you always heard it say they could argue with a fence post? And most time they'd win, Okay. And not only would they argue with the fence pole, they loved to stir the pot and turn up the heat a little bit to have their way. And that will cost our church. That would cost our ministries if that occurred. And that's the reason he says he's negative. Don't murmur 
and don't dispute because when you do, you're, you're hurting the ministry of Jesus Christ. You're hurting the church. You're hurting yourself. So stay away from these negatives. These two negatives will destroy much of the purpose in your life and the purpose in the church. Now, let's go to the positives in verse 15. We want to see the effectiveness of our light as Christians. Note the specific term that's used in verse 15, sons of God. Now, if you have a problem with that, just say children of God. Okay, it means the same thing, all right? Sons of God, and it's more than that. He goes on to say you're sons of God without rebuke. Uh, there's no valid criticism. Now, there's always going to be some criticism. I mean, Luke 6, 26 says, Woe unto you when all people speak highly of you or speak good of you. I mean, that don't happen. But here we're talking about, number one, being blameless. Now, I'm not talking about people blaming us. I got a lot for people to blame me for. But I'm talking about being blameless of God. You'll never be blameless of people unless you don't do anything. If you don't do anything, people's not probably not going to complain much about you, okay? But when you're involved in the ministry of God, people's going to complain. But I'm talking about complaining or blamelessness before God with moral blemishes in their life. Romans 8 and 1. Now pay close attention to this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Now, we like to take that and say there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. In other words, once we're saved, there's no condemnation from our past sins. Amen. They're forgiven, right? But when you take that a little bit further, he says, who walk after the flesh, but not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In other words, there's no blamelessness before God for those who are living out their salvation with fear and trembling. There is no blamelessness there because they don't walk after the flesh, but they walk after the Spirit. So we're blameless for the past and for the present when we're saved and we live out our salvation. Okay, now, the reason that so much goes on, again, there's a crooked and perverse nation, he says, and we're supposed to shine his light. That's hard work, but we have to accomplish it by the help of God who's doing the work within us. So he says, be blameless. Secondly, he says to be harmless. Uh, we're not, we should not be those who seek revenge. Uh, shouldn't be like, Rich talked about in Sun School with his road rage, okay? Uh, we're supposed to not seek revenge or to wrong somebody else because they wronged us. Uh, those of you that's my age, you remember when they used to do cigarette commercials on TV? There was one on there with a guy with a black eye. He said, I'd rather fight than switch. Well, that's like a... <laughs> I'm surprised that we, we Christians don't all come in with black eyes sometimes because we a lot of times would lot rather fight than switch, seek revenge. But Romans 12, verses 19 through 21 says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if mine enemies hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. In doing so, we'll heap coals of fire on his head. In other words, we'll get him to thinking. But be over, not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Telling us that revenge isn't ours, it belongs to the Lord. And we are just supposed to heap love upon other people so that they'll begin to think 
about the love that's being bestowed upon them. The reason, again, we live in a crooked and perverse nation and we're supposed to shine as lights. Now, uh, let's advance to the topic of being lights to the world. We've seen the negative, don't murmur, don't complain. We've seen the positive, be blameless, be harmless. Now advance to the topic of being lights in the world. John describes it in verse John 1 uh, as uh, Jesus being the light of the world and that the world didn't comprehend it or accept him and believe him. So the reason was that they are a crooked and perverse nation. Matthew 5, 14 says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. We're called lights. We're called a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. Now, I was raised in a very small town of Rockwood, Tennessee. But coming into Rockwood, a lot of times my dad pastored up on the mountain toward Crossville. And we'd go to church, and coming in on Wednesday night and Sunday night, we'd come down the hill, down the mountain, into Rockwood. Now, Rockwood was a small town. But there was about a two-mile stretch of a four-lane down the center of the road on Highway 27 and 70 they called Gateway. There were double streetlights all the way down through there. And when we started down that mountain, the first thing we could see was the lights down below. That's what needs to occur in our life. When people head in our direction, we need to shine for Jesus so much that they'll be able to see the light shine in their life. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with David Ring or not. David Ring did a lot of ministry on national TV and on. He came to White House and spoke a few years ago, and he has cerebral policy. And his favorite term was this. Even though he was so handicapped, he still went everywhere and preached and taught for the Lord. But his favorite phrase was this, don't whine, but shine. That's a good term and a good direction for all of us as Christians. Don't whine, but shine. Three reasons here are revealed of why we should shine. He says, number one, is to, bring, uh, to show our good works, our best before the Lord. Then he also says it's to bring glory of God to our God in heaven. You see that there in that passage? Let me get back to that passage just a minute there in verse 15 and 16 as he begins to talk. He says here that holding forth the, the word of life. Now, number one, we're doing that so we can show our good works. We've already seen that. We're also showing that we're bringing glory to God. We've already seen that. And then he brings out a new topic in verse number 16. We shine... Because, listen to this, judgment day is coming. You say, but, 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 but preacher, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about that. Really? Really? I want you to know now, as far as my salvation, it's settled in Christ Jesus. I have no doubt that my name's written down in heaven. I have no doubt that that's where my home's going to be when I die. But I also know that even though I'm saved, I'm not going to stand in a judgment to determine whether I'm saved or whether I'm lost or not. I'm going to stand in judgment for a different reason. And this is the reason here. He says we can rejoice in the day. In other words, we don't have to regret it because we've run the race with patience. We've lived out our salvation. We have allowed our light to shine. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says... For we, now this is talking about Christians, we must, all Christians, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. For everyone 
may receive the things done in his body. It doesn't say anything about receiving eternal life. Receive for the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The lost, they're going to stand before the white throne judgment. If her name is not recorded in the book, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. I know that for them. But we, speaking of the saved, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give an account before God of our deeds and our action, how that we have lived out our salvation, how we have let our lights thing he said, shine. He said, the things done in the body. I want to be a faithful witness. What about you? I want to be a faithful servant. I want to be a faithful minister so that I can stand before God in the day of judgment and know, as this scripture says, that I have run the race, that I have finished well. Now, let me end with a challenge here, okay? You probably know this song, but I wanted to try to find this song, and I did have it. I hope I can find it again. It is entitled, Go Light Your World. This is a challenge for when we leave here. We'll pick back up in chapter 3 next week. But he said, There is a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home. Carry your candle into the darkness. Seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see. Take your candle and go light your world. Take your candle and go light your world. Our Heavenly Father, if we've looked at the Scripture today, that we are to shine as lights in the darkness. We don't do it complaining. We don't do it murmuring. But God, we do it blameless and we do it harmless. And as we shine, we want to bring glory to you. We want to honor you. And we want to stand before you at the final judgment seat of Christ. Will we give an account for the deeds and be found faithful that we've run the race as we should have run it. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, that you work within us by your Spirit to lead, guide, and direct us and to enable us along this path that we follow. In the name of Jesus, amen. The sing. We trust that God has blessed you with this message from His Word. Each week, these sermons are made available in video and audio formats. If you want to watch our weekly sermon and Sunday School videos, you can find them on our YouTube channel. Just search in the search engine for Portland General Baptist Church. Subscribe to the channel and be sure to hit the notification bell so that you're notified when a new video is posted. For audio, you can subscribe to our podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and others. You can also find these audio recordings on our website, free to download. Just visit www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.portlandgbc.org. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.